Last week, I said we were going to spend a few weeks talking about his 2020 vision. And uh, I mentioned last week that in my early young adult years, uh, I had two beautiful visions of each coast. One was the West Coast when I rode bicycles down Pacific Highway 1 for a whole month in January of that year of uh, 19, I believe it was 81. And um, then shortly after that, I ended up going to graduate school on the East Coast, and I was in a servant's quarters just above the Hudson River by the Tappan Zee Bridge, the old Tappan Zee Bridge, which is pictured here. And I went there for God to stir up my heart for me to see the world as he saw it. And I mentioned that I had a personal prayer that I began to pray. That's a very dangerous prayer. And I encourage you last week, maybe you could pray this prayer. And that is, Lord, help me to see people as you see them. Help me to see the world as you see the world. Because our vision for our life needs to be not our vision. It needs to be his vision as he sees life through us. And when I began my graduate studies in that year, it was 1984, I sat down with a man who became a mentor of mine, uh, close for a few years and from a distance, definitely since then. His name is Ravi Zacharias, and some of you may know him. He's an international evangelist. And, and I shared with Ravi that I didn't necessarily want to be at seminary. I'd come through a dynamic movement of God's Spirit in a youth ministry where we saw a group grow from 30 to about 130 kids I mentioned last week, had opportunity to sit down with my old youth pastor in Oceanside, and we shared and reminisced on how God's worked so many ways since those years, those early years. But I shared with Ravi that uh, I didn't want to come to a seminary because I thought maybe that more education would take away my fire for God, and I didn't want to become a theological egghead, as I sort of put it. And I share with him my heart for renewal and revival, not only in my own spirit, but in the church. You see, when I was a part of that youth ministry, we fell in love with Jesus and doing the work of Jesus and giving our life to Jesus. All the trappings of the world, yeah, they were sort of there still, but there was something that loomed much larger, and that was our passion to know Christ and to make him known. And I said, Ravi, I, I, I'm challenged with some of the education stuff because I really have a heart for revival, reviving dead churches. Because in our student ministry, we saw God really powerfully moving. But then I'd go in an adult service and I thought we were just sort of doing church, you know, as we all have a tendency sometimes to do. And maybe you walked in here this morning passionately in love with Jesus. Maybe you walked in here because this is the thing you're supposed to do on Sunday. But I know every week that I come that I want God to stir in my heart and God strengthen me for the real reality at hand, which is his kingdom. And so as I was in graduate school there looking out across the Tappan Zee Bridge and doing some other things and sharing with Ravi, I, I said that I, I want to be a revivalist. And that word may mean something to you, maybe it doesn't, but to me... As a younger person, even way before that youth ministry, because my parents, they would drive 50 minutes one way to church to make sure that we were in a good, vibrant church, and we lived away out in the country in that time in the Midwest. But I would ask mom and dad, why do we have to drive so far to church? 
And they were determined to keep us in a vibrant church underneath solid biblical catalytic preaching. And so that's why we drove. But it was hard for me to take my friends there. So as a very young kid, I started to think that if I ever did have to do ministry for God, what I wanted to do was be an official church butt kicker. Why are there so many churches that are not vibrant and alive? And so the whole term revivalist means to revive, bring back the dead. And I shared with Ravi, I said, this is my heart for revival. Ravi's an evangelist, communicates and preaches the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ in a very effective and powerful apologetic way, not apologizing, but to defend the faith around the world. And, and he sat there with me in a small office and he said, Carrie, I believe that the heart of evangelist and the heart of a revivalist are two sides to the same coin. One goes hand in hand with the other. And I've seen that that's true through the years because you cannot be revived if you do not have a heart for the evangel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to see other people's lives changed. And so when you devote yourself to that, when you're all in, you're asking God to give you his vision for the world, to give you his vision for your life, and to give you his vision for the church. And so in that first part of that documentary, you just saw just the reality that it's true. In our culture today, we're taught to be more consumers in the church than we are to be passionate followers of Christ in reviving a lost world. And so I would be amiss if I didn't help us recalibrate as a church family. And even if you're new today and you're sort of checking out this church, you've been checking out some other churches, or maybe you're just checking out God, I want to share with you God's vision for not just you and me, but his vision for the church. Because we got to be on it. I was later sitting in a large seminar in a large church, having a conference once and I saw the man up there expounding on the beauty of the church and he came across and he just laid it before us and he said you know what you need to know this as it relates to the world the church the local church is the hope of the world because we steward the life-changing message of Jesus Christ and if you get fanned to sleep at this church or any other church or just in the doldrums with your Christian faith, or you're seeking after God, I'm here to say, don't settle for that. Because you and I can be a part of something incredibly beautiful, not only for this age, but the age to come. And it's called the Church of Jesus Christ. And we do steward the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only that he just lived and he died and he rose again for the salvation of our sins, but that his gospel, his good news is that he came to give us life and to have it abundantly, as we said last week in John 10.10. 10. It's important, though, to realize this, that to have a healthy vision for the church, you have to have a healthy God vision for your own life. And so we focused last week and go back and listen to the message online if you want. But our desire is for you and I to be fully alive in Christ and to his mission. That's why we're named the Awakening Church. But it's not just like you arrive. Every week, every year, every decade, you and I need to have a passionate heart 
to become more fully alive in Christ and to his mission. And so in the exhortation last week, we looked at Ephesians 5.14, which said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, all of you there at the Awakening Church, than how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And my heart, my prayer for you is that that would be true of your life, that you would have a passionate desire to be woke, talk about woke people, woke culture, right? I tell you what, the most woke you can be is being woke up to the kingdom of God and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ in this day and age, to be fully alive in him and to his mission on this earth at this time for the number of years that God so blesses you with. And so you need to be wise and you need to order your days and I need to order my year as you need to order your year, in alignment with his calling. And so we pause and we take stock. Do we need to wake up? Do we need to be wise that the days are evil around us? And we need to take every opportunity to understand and implement the Lord's will into our life. And we gave exhortation on a few things last week. Maybe you were able to put some of these into practice. Scripture saturation, the importance for this to be our guide light, for us to absorb the word into our life so it flows out of us when our life is squeezed. And it'll be squeezed again this week. What flows out? Truth or error? Truth or despair? Truth or depression? What comes from your very inner being when life presses you? It's what you're saturated with. Not the ways of the world, but of truth. Then we also exhorted that there needs to be authoritative prayer, that you need to live in authentic community, that there needs to be a heart of generous giving, sacrificial giving to God, monetarily as well as time and otherwise, and then the importance of uncommon obedience. So his 2020 vision for me is that this year, this decade, I would be more and more fully alive in Christ, into his mission. But what about the church? Well, simply put, the church and what its vision from God is, is going to be aligned with what his vision is for your life. And our church, any church that desires to be a proclaimer of the good news, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and worship him, any church is only as vibrant as its members. You didn't come in today and pull products off the shelves. This is not a store as it relates to consumer products. You did not come today to the temple. You brought the temple if Jesus Christ dwells within you. And you, if you're dead and you're not woke, then you are contributing to a dead and non-woke church. 
Because we are only corporately together that which we bring in our hearts and our lives. Thus, last week, focusing on God's 2020 vision for you, because that has to precede God's 2020 vision for us as a church, because we're nothing more than what we bring. And hopefully we acknowledge that we bring the temple, the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're followers of Lord Jesus Christ, in our hearts, though we may have had a crummy, crappy week, our hearts can still worship. Because we know truth of Scripture. We know our identity of who we are in Christ. We know where our destiny is. And we can worship even in the midst of discouragement. And that worshiping heart, that worshiping spirit, comes and brings the presence and the power of God. The band can be off. The preacher can go amiss. But what really brings the power in a corporate gathering of people is the presence of God and the people themselves. So when I have you pause and say, did you say good morning to Jesus? That's not a little nice, facetious little... No, it's true. If you're not alive to Jesus when you get up in the morning and come here on a Sunday morning, then I don't know if we're alive or not either. But the challenge before us is to rightly align our heart of worship in our devotion to Christ and his mission in the midst of a world that has all kinds of other pressing agendas on us. And I'm continually recalibrating every day of my life. I recalibrate on a Sunday morning. You know, there's different things to get going. We had a beautiful, beautiful memorial service last night with over 200 people in this room. For Judy Scharfenberg, who passed away unexpectedly in one sense, our family helps lead worship here some, and they just had gotten devoted here, and the people that came and the outpouring of her, and, and it was a beautiful experience. And then, and then you go, oh, Sunday's coming. And then you walk in a building and go, is everything aligned right? And is, are, are the chairs okay and things cleaned? And, oh, my goodness, they have an electronic kids check-in that launched today. You know, I hope that all goes well, right? And your mind can be so distracted by different things. I'm so grateful, Joe, in, in the picking of the Apostle Creed song, because I tell you what, you sit and you sing that song and you say, yes, I believe in God the Father. I believe in the three in one. And you just say, Lord, recalibrate my life today. And so as we are individually, we become corporately. And so his 2020 vision for the church, I'll state it. Clearly to you, it needs to be not a building vision, not a vision for a hierarchy of clergy, or a vision for a denomination or the service, a program of worship. That's not what the church is. The church is not these things, though we think about it. What is the church? The church is the people of God. The Greek word is ekklesia, which means an assembly, a called out ones. Its root meaning is not that of a building, but of a people. And so when we come together corporately with Christ in us, or if we're not a Christ follower, at least someone who's maybe seeking God this morning, seeking some answers, that we come together as a people, as a church, and that's what God sees. It's nice to have a facility like this. It's nice to have a location like we have. It's nice to have leadership 
like God's provided for this church. It's, it's nice that we're part of a denomination, Christian Missionary Alliance, that's involved in mission around the world and, and many other things. It's, it's nice to have a, a good order of service and walk through some creative, gifted elements. But that's not church. Church is those who are called out, an assembly of people who are following Jesus Christ. We've said it before, and I say it again. You must, you must remember this, especially in our American consumer culture, because there's a tendency to shop for the best product, and that's fine. There's some powerful, great churches in this valley. I could direct you to some of them if you don't like this one, I guess. But here's the thing. It's not about the building or the program or the leaders. It's about the people of Christ and the presence of Christ in that place. And we contribute to the health and the beauty of the local church, which stewards the life-changing message, the gospel, the hope of the world. And we devote ourselves to being a part of that called-out assembly. The universal church is all believers and followers of Jesus Christ that have ever existed and ever will. Scripture is clear. That's the universal church. And you and I participate. We have membership, if you will, in the universal church if and only if we are devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Judy's memorial service yesterday, she was such an evangelist. I remember the last time I talked with her was out there on that purple bench by the exit. I sat down with her and I said, Judy, that message you gave at the Women's Christmas Boutique was spot on when you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ and how to know him. And she lit up. She says, thanks, Pastor. I appreciate that word of encouragement. Two people committed their lives to Jesus after that boutique. She had a heart of an evangelist. Her last connection card, I could have brought it up here and read it, but I gave it to her daughter, Jennifer. It was on the first Saturday of December, and she was saying, praying for me as I speak at this women's group in Oceanside. Pray that people would come to know Jesus, that God would be glorified. All the way up into her dying breath, and she knew not what stood before her. She contracted uh, a fever and got pneumonia, and she passed away unexpectedly. All the way up to the end, though, until she stepped from this side to the next, she was about people coming to know Jesus. And so I didn't leave the service yesterday, but when I concluded, I said, you know, if Judy was to stand up and speak here at her own funeral, and she had all of her siblings gathered singing a song at the end. I think if Judy was to sit up here today, she sat on that stool, she spoke there at that boutique, she would just look at all of you and say, be there. But you can't be there in the end, in eternity, in heaven, new heaven and new earth, unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you surrendered your life, committed to follow hard after him. And then I said, the second thing she'd probably say is, who's going to take my place? Who's going to do the work of an evangelist that I was able to do in some of the circles God graced me with? Friends, we need to be a part of the church because the church is the body of Christ and the church will live into eternity. The church is called the bride of Christ. 
And as the bride of Christ, we are only pure and clean and holy because of Christ living in us. But if Christ does not live in us, not only are we not pure, holy, and clean, we are not a part of that body, the universal church. So the most important thing for you this morning is to understand that there is a church, it is the body of Christ, it is the called out ones, it is the assembly, it'll live forever. And you and I get to be a part of it. He picks us. He died for us. Make sure you cross that line of faith. But then there's the local church. And the local church consists of the participating members. And and many of us will be a part of different local churches throughout our lifetime. But for right now, you are a part of this church called the Awakening. It is a local church. And you need to be a participant fully engaged with what God is doing in a local church. Not a passive observer. Not a consumer, seeing if things are on checked off your list. But one who is immersed in the community of Christ. In that local expression. And for us, we framed it that that local expression is being fully alive in Christ and to his mission. Are you in or not? And so I'm just going to give you that challenge here this morning. To be in as a participating member of a local church. This church, the Awakening Church. In Revelations 3.14. We have some pretty strong words. Jesus is actually speaking to several different local churches. Some of the last words of Jesus Christ are not in the Gospels or the beginning of Acts of the Apostles. It's in the last book of the Bible, the Revelation. The Revelation God gave to John concerning the end times. Three and a half, four years ago, I did a series on the seven letters to the churches that Jesus had penned. And I want to address a couple of those. And the first was the church in Laodicea, an actual physical local church. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this. These are the words of the amen. Amen means so be it. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. Uh Uh-oh. Remember being caught as a kid? I know what you did. It almost has that kind of feel to it, doesn't it? I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. The awakening church, fully alive in Christ and to his mission, I trust that we are not a lukewarm church. And it's not a pep rally. It's a serious call to devotion that I bring to you. Because this church will not be fully alive in Christ and to his mission unless we as individuals are. And we need to take stock that God himself, Jesus, he looks down upon local churches and he can say they're fully alive. They're sort of lukewarm. Uh, They're dead. They're an upstart. They're trying. My blessings upon them. They're a seasoned church operating in full maturity. They're, 
they're a seasoned church that has lost their first love. Like he said to the church in Ephesus just before this one in Laodicea. You see, it's a little disturbing, is it not? To know that God knows our local church. I tell you what, it's a little disturbing to me sometimes. Because I know my weakness as a leader. And I'm like, really? Oh no, I'm trying. I'm trying, Jesus. He doesn't come with a harshness. He comes with a passionate desire. Because he knows that lukewarm, lukewarm coffee, hot coffee, yeah. Jesus wants us to be hot. But he says, you know, I'd rather you be cold than some of you that play the game. Little bit in, little bit out. I'm sort of committed. Yeah, I'm there, Jesus. Oh, wow. I'm really enticed by all these things here of the world. He knows and he wants us to not be lukewarm. But because we're named the Awakening Church, there's another church that's also mentioned in those letters to the churches in Revelation that probably is maybe more spot on for us. Revelations 3, 1 says this, To the angel of the church of Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you really are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received. And heard, hold it fast and repent. And if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Now, <laughs> I remember when I told Ravi that I wanted to be a revivalist as much as maybe an evangelist. And he was an evangelist trying to train some of us young evangelists, I guess. At that time in my life, I had more of a, probably a prophetic kind of edge to me. As a pastor now, I have more of a priestly edge. Prophetic is God speaking to his people. Priestly is representing the people speaking their voice to God. And, and it goes together. But in my inner being, I wanted to be an official church butt kicker and raise up dead churches. And I can't believe you're dead. <laughs> And I can go there real fast because it's unsettling in my heart. But I've been in church ministry now, local church ministry, for 30, 35 years. And I know that life has its wear and tear in a church and in our own personal lives and our families. And so I don't need the prophetic edge this morning. Wake up, awakening church. I'll just let Jesus' words set with you. Because he knows our deeds. I trust this morning, Lord Jesus, that you are pleased with us. You know, sometimes you get done with a worship set and you go, hey, the band was really good, huh? I mean, and, and Joe kicks it back just to keep us engaged sometimes and give affirmation to those who serve up here. You know, get up for a band. 
I wonder sometimes when Joe says, hey, give it up for the band, if God would give it up for the band. Great message, Pastor. I appreciate those words when somebody says them to me. But would God say, great message, Carrie? You see, it's not about us as consumers. It's about him, and he knows our deep. He knows who we are as a people, as individuals and as a church community. And friends, I pray to the utmost possibility in my heart that I can that his 2020 vision for us to be fully alive in him is that we as a people would be seen as such in his eyes and not ours. That's why I'd like to just tag a beginning part on our mission statement this morning for us as considering participating membership in this church, that we are a people leading people to become fully alive in Christ. Because it's not what really happens here as much as what happens out there. And we are a gathered people, an assembled people, but we are a dispersed people a dispersed people who are going out into the highways and byways of life. And we need to be leading other people who are spiritually dead to become spiritually alive, to be able to worship him, to follow him even into eternity. And you and I do not come as consumers for a church product. We are the presence of Christ and we need to lead other people. And my prayer for us as a church in 2020 and beyond is that there would be more and more people leading people to be fully alive in Christ and to his mission. Matthew 22 says this. They were asking Jesus, what's the most important thing in this book, the Bible? And he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. He sums it up. So if he looks at us to see if we are not lukewarm, if we're hot, he's going to look, do you love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? To the best of your ability right now in life, if you were to take a quiz right now, an evaluation, an assessment, how does it look? You ever see somebody that's in love with someone else and you can tell? You go, yeah, they sort of have it for that person. And maybe it's that beginning of a love relationship or maybe it's a mother staring into the eyes of her infant child. And you can just see that they love that child. Can people tell that you love God? That you love Jesus? Lord, can you see that I love you? And so if we're to be fully alive, we're going to have to place front and center that heart of worship, a loving Jesus. And so when we talked last week about Scripture saturation, there's the need for you to let the truth speak to you on a regular basis, a daily basis. And fall in love with the God and the Jesus of the scripture. And then he says, you need to love not just me. You need to love others as yourselves. And so this is called what? The great commandment. Love God, love people. 
It's one of the essential summation verses of all of Scripture as to what the church needs to be doing, what we need to have in our own hearts. And then before Jesus disappeared in physical form from this earth, he told his disciples what they needed to be doing. Jesus said, all authority in heaven in Matthew 28, 18 and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of ever, to the very end of the age, because there's an age to come where we'll be in his physical presence again. But when he left, he said, I'm going to send my spirit and my spirit is going to work in you and through you as you worship me and you love God and you love others. And I want you to do this. I want you to disciple people. You see, in all those verse, the verbs that are highlighted there, the word make disciples, that is the primary verb in the Great Commission, it's called. And you and I are to be diligent about that. We are to be diligent about that as a church family. Go is assumed. As you go, as you are dispersed, more and more people, leading people. As you go, that's our mission. And then you're to baptize them. Baptizing did not save anybody. It doesn't save anybody today. No more than a wedding ring being placed on your finger makes you married. The wedding ring is an outward sign of the inner covenant that you've made with your spouse. Baptism is an outer sign of the covenant relationship you've made with Jesus Christ to be a follower of him. And so people, they were encouraged to become disciples beginning with being baptized. And we have the opportunity to be baptized every now and then. We take the opportunity, home side somewhere, people proclaiming, I'm a part of Christ's family. And then to teach them. And to teach them not just content for loaded lumber in their heads, but to teach them obedience because God's word brings life it does not bring death when we obey it and so I want to list three things that was our mission more and more people leading people to be fully alive in Christ and to his mission I want to talk about values and then we're going to Look more intently at these values as it relates to what it means for us as participating members of a local church. There's disciple making, there's community building, and there's missional living. It's at the forefront of who we are as a people. And if you want to know what this church does, it needs to be in those three categories in some dimension. Making disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, mature followers of Jesus Christ, bringing together a community feel. And not just a feel, but reality. How many of you were ever on a great sports team? Wow, we don't have a lot of winners in here, I guess. <laughs> How many were part of a great musical production, theater production or something? There we go, we got more music here. How many of you were part of a great work project that, man, it's excelled and it was known in the company and it took another step? Isn't that great? How many of you um, were a part of, I don't know, a team of people building something, like a house or something like that? Okay. 
isn't there something about being a part of a community? Like, we did this? I mean, that LSU team that won, I'm sure they'll have a reunion 10, 20 years from now. And what are they going to remember? Wasn't that a great run in 2019 and we won the national championship? Friends, together, because you accomplished something. People, God intended for His church to be a winning team. To be a team of people who build something together. And you will be a miss of fulfillment in your life until you make a commitment to be a part of a community that's on mission. Some of us reflect where we were a year ago and some of that transition in this building is like, wow, that was great. It was out. We we're trying to, you know, get it all fixed. And, and Ed's back there. I know Ed was like, yeah, we got to get that wall done. And I had all kinds of things on my checklist. And Roy, he had the electrical stuff on his checklist. And, you know, but we came together and we made it happen. Whew. But it's not about the building. It's about the greater mission that this building helps be a part of. But some of us will always remember last year in the whole transition from a small little storefront, some other part of town to this place and the opportunity we have here. It, there's something about being in with a group of people. I trust that this church can be that for you. And so when we talk about community building, I believe part of the community building comes from the third, which is missional living. Us living on mission. Accomplishing something together for Christ. Those three values are critical for us as a body of people. If you want to know, when Jesus looks down and says, are they on mission? Are they, uh, I know their deeds. Are they hot? Are they dead? He's going to say, well, let me check if they're making disciples. Or are they just really sort of making converts? They're making real disciples to love me with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to making disciples of other people, teaching and obeying God's word. Are, are they a community building or are they community dividing? Are they coming together to do life together, to support one another? Are they out on mission, dispersed during the week? That's what he's going to be looking at. If we are true to those values. Now, we take this as a church, our mission, based upon those values to accomplish them. And then we sort of have to have a strategy. What would a strategy be? Well, every church is different. I'll tell you how we walk it out. Doesn't mean it wouldn't change. But around here, there's four key things. The first is an everyday witness. And I define it this way. Christ in you working through you to reach others like you. When I talk about being dispersed, it's great to gather. Now, blessings as you go. We are not done with church after this hour. You take the church with you. And you are the presence of Jesus. And he's working through you to reach people that you and I could, you and other people can never reach because you are appointed by God to be of influence and encouragement to them. Are you an everyday witness? And we need to encourage that everyday witness as a strategic part of who we are. The second is this weekend gathering we call our worship service. There are certain elements we try to see in here. A supportive community, a catalytic teaching, engaging worship, believing prayer. But once every seven days we want to be able to gather as the body of Christ known as the awakening. And we want to be on it. Not because we're into performance and we're trying to present a 
uh, the consumer with a product, but because we know the gathering of the body of Christ is critical. And that supportive community, even something like turn and greet, and some people like that, and some people don't. Yeah, yay, nay, doesn't have to be every week, I guess. But it, I love it because I turn around when I step up here and I see the body of Christ love them on the body of Christ. A supportive community before and after. I sometimes say there's three meetings on a Sunday morning. Did you know this? There's the meeting before the meeting. There's the meeting. And then there's the meeting after the meeting. Some of you only get to the middle one. Come early for the meeting before the meeting. Hang around. That's why there's refreshments. Hang around afterward, the meeting after the meeting. Because we're a community of people. Catalytic teaching. Whether me or others that we desire to impart the word of God and bring life. That we have engaging worship. And sometimes we do have to have a disturbance in our soul. Oh yeah, good morning Jesus. I'm here to worship you with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then believing prayer. That we'd be able to pray for one another. That's why there's a group that gathers to pray before service. You can always go to the prayer area afterwards. And some of the prayer team prayer. Take a few moments, 60 seconds to say hi to Jesus this morning. That there's prayer that's a part of God's house. Because that's what he desires. So an everyday witness, a weekend worship, a weekly missional community life group and studies. Now, I'm not going to unpack that fully here today, but it's that we are not just gathering in a large group on a Sunday, but we are gathered in smaller groups, being there, supporting for one another, practicing those three values of disciple-making, community building, and missional living. This week, the uh, access moms, I guess I could sort of say that, uh, the help held group they met back in that prayer area on a friday morning to kick off their new study series and and there were 14 ladies gathered in the couches and chairs back there friday at 10 10 to 12 and i thought there you go that's a missional community life group a support group a study group because if you are the mom of a special needs child or adult you need support and you need the love of one another, and you need God's Word. So whether it's something like that, or a women's study, or our life groups, and my life group's kicking back up this week, y'all in it, Tuesday, right? Our house. And there's a need for us to be in smaller communities of people so we can be there and support one another and also be on mission and reach those that we're building everyday witnesses with. So everyday witness, you got it? A weekend worship service. How many, how many of you have been here the first two weeks? And then this is your third perfect attendance still. You're going at it. It's, it's a, a smaller group of people, but I'm glad you're here. So everyday witness, weekend worship, weekly life group. And then the fourth is what was mentioned, our monthly gathering or an outreach event. And we're going to try to take a turn more to outreach events this next year. And we're going to be talking about that some in the coming weeks. That's our strategy, our mission, our values, our strategy, our participating membership. If you'll just briefly, as we begin to close, take out the insert that's in your program. This is an opportunity for you to make a covenant with God and with one another in this room today. Last fall, we had a membership class and unfolded many membership. Friends, if you missed that class, guess what? This is your class today. 
And if you're not a participating member, I want to have you seriously consider taking this defining moment of step to say, I'm connected and involved in this local community. And if you're already a participating member of this church, I want you to take this same sheet and renew your commitment here this morning. But in this membership covenant, I covenant to God and with others the following steps of obedience concerning the mission, values, and strategy of our local church as a participating member. We break it into the three values for us to be on mission, for us to be not lukewarm, for us to be hot, for us to be a woke kind of people alive. I want you to look at this, the disciple-making, community-building, missional living. And we have check boxes there because for participating members in this local church, we put some teeth into what we're doing. And I already checked the boxes for all of you because <laughs> you don't get a pick. How about that? Disciple-making, I believe Jesus died, rose again, and profess Him as my Savior and Lord. And we're going to be singing that same song, I believe. You have to be a member in the universal church of Jesus Christ to be truly a member in a local church. Have you crossed that line of faith? And are you following Jesus as Savior and Lord? I affirm my faith in Christ through the public declaration of baptism. I've been baptized, or if you've not been baptized, with that checkbox you're saying at the next opportunity this church gives, I'm going to be baptized. Because that's what the Great Commission teaches. I take up the disciple-making pathway to become more like Christ, which is on the back of this sheet, and we'll give some reference to maybe in the next couple of weeks. I seek intimacy with Jesus through Scripture, Scripture saturation, authoritative prayer, right, and worship. I'm going to own my own spiritual growth. I'm taking responsibility for my own spiritual formation. All that underneath disciple-making, and then under community building. If you want to be a participating member then this is what you're affirming. I honor God through both personal and weekly corporate worship. I make it an effort to say good morning to Jesus and worship him in my personal life and to be here on a Sunday morning because who knows, meeting before the meeting, meeting after the meeting, I might be the one who brings the encouragement to somebody who's discouraged that week. I'm going to be there. I foster relationships of depth in a missional community life group. Whether you're involved in a missional community life group or not, you're making a commitment to say, I'm going to try to find a group of people, a weekly group that I can be connected with, that I can do life with. I support my church leadership, mission, values, and beliefs. The beliefs, that's pretty well embedded in this song, the Apostles' Creed. You can also find them online, some of the fuller beliefs, but Christ-centered, evangelical, Protestant beliefs. We're not always perfect as a leadership team. But you're saying, I'm in the boat to row the boat, not rock the boat. We try to remain open at all times to correction. And I protect church unity by resolving conflict and refusing to gossip. You will take the initiative. Why? Because this is Satan's number one tactic to undermine churches. Churches split because we do not take seriously. Matthew 18 and other passages that say that we need to resolve conflict. And you're owning that as a participating member. I pursue generosity through regular giving and biblical stewardship. It's my commitment to give unto God and His ministry as God leads. That's all under community building, but then missional living, you got these check marks. I seek to develop a servant's heart in helping others in need. I share my life and faith with those who do not follow Jesus Christ, that everyday witness. I participate on a ministry team and regularly serve my church. 
you know, we got new children's ministry leaders in Devin and Beth. They're doing a great job in these first few weeks knocking it down. Friends, they need support. Debbie Gibbler's helped taking over early childhood some. And we get in. Whether it's in that, worship, other kinds of setup, tear down, that's, I know, a part of the regular church, everyday, seven day environment. And there's other ministries and missions you can be a part of, and that's all fine. But you're saying, I'm going to own being on a ministry team if you're a part of the participating membership of this church. And I'm going to invite others to church and warmly engage those who visit. And I commit to doing my part in being on mission in my community during the week and involved in the task of global evangelization. We're going to talk about that more in a couple weeks. Would you like to be a participating member of this church? Yeah, you're getting some voting rights. You get a vote on the ministry budget, who sits on the governing board, right? There's some powers, but you don't become a member of the church because of what you get. It's because of a defining moment about what you're giving to Jesus Christ and his church. Fill this out. Sign your name. Mention what ministry you're in, what life group you're in. If you're in neither, just say question mark and we'll follow up with you. And you're going to be able to turn this in, mail it in here this morning as the offering baskets are passed, maybe next week if you want. We'll put this back in next week. Pray over this. We've received a lot of new people in this last year. It's been fun to see people that were new become a part of the regular body. I felt it was important today as we talk about his 2020 vision for us as a church that we just give not a plea, but an opportunity to be in on the team in a unique way to say, I'm game. And this is your opportunity. Cross the line of participating membership for the Awakening Church as we have more and more people, leading people, to be fully alive in Christ and to his mission. Ushers, come as we receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. May you declare your belief in the head of the church, Jesus Christ, through this song. Amen.